0: The We're LCC podcast is a monthly show that comes out on the 9th of every
1: month. But if you hit the subscribe or follow button on your podcast app, you'll never need to remember that because the show will automatically be there. So go ahead and hit the subscribe or follow button on your podcast app now.
2: We are LCC, a podcast emanating from the halls of Lower Canada College on Royal Avenue in Montreal. Here's Alumni Officer Christine Jones.
0: Today, Megan Swidler, Holistic Nutrition Health Coach and Wellness Consultant, joins us. In this episode, she shares with us her holistic nutrition coaching practices, which are grounded in plant-based Whole Foods, the principles of food combining, bioindividuality, and understanding that there is no one-size-fits-all approach to sustainable health and well-being. We're fortunate to hear about her transformational journey towards better holistic health and wellness which she advocates is the foundation of an abundant life. What is considered good nutrition?
1: Good nutrition, that means a lot of different things to different people. I would say there's a lot of you know confusion about what good nutrition really means. To me, good nutrition is not a diet. It's not a fad. Good nutrition is a set of habits that can feel sustainable in the long term. So put simply, I like to kind of think of this good nutrition as, as an 80-20 lifestyle. So 80% of the time you're eating plant-based, whole, unprocessed foods right from the source. So fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, raw nuts and seeds, whole grains, legumes, maybe some animal protein if that works for you, maybe not if you're plant-based, but 80% of the time you're really eating foods that are nourishing to the body and will make you feel good. 20% of the time, I would say you're leaving room for some flexibility, right? No one can really be perfect. I think the problem with diets and fads and very, very strict sort of regimes is that they're really not sustainable in the real world. So again, with that 20%, giving yourself a little bit more flexibility when you're eating out, or to indulge a little bit when you're on vacation or with friends or family or at a big get together, that sort of will allow you to have that balance that you can maintain for the rest of your life. So just to kind of circle back, I really think good nutrition are is sort of like an 80/20 lifestyle where 80% of the time you're really nourishing and fueling your body with good whole foods while 20% of the time giving yourself that leeway to indulge a little bit so that you can sort of maintain that lifestyle for the long term basically.
0: So then in terms of, you know, our society in general, what do you think the biggest problems would be in diets and in general people's eating habits is it any one thing in particular fat sugar salt
1: yeah so i think generally speaking on aggregate i think the biggest problem is that people again going back to what i said are always looking for these like quick fixes I think there are a lot of products on the market that are marketed as healthy that are not actually healthy when you read the ingredient labels refined sugar, added salt, gums, additives, preservatives, chemicals, refined seed oils. Unfortunately, the reality is a lot of products on the shelves are actually not what they seem to be. But I think people have really veered away from just eating like our ancestors ate, eating the way life sort of intended us or nature intended us to eat. With that being said, I think with eating habits, that's typically what I find that people struggle with is they don't really know how to like eat the way nature intended us to eat. Again, I think it's really important for people to learn how to eat these like whole real unprocessed foods and have that be 80% of their diet versus trying to find that sort of like high-protein, low-sugar fix in a packaged product on the shelves.
0: Right. As you said, products on the shelf and trying to figure out what we should be putting in our body, how can people then navigate certain brands or foods? And maybe it's just as simple as staying away from those things, but if you are going to go that route, what would you say to people to try to navigate that in the grocery store?
1: Yeah, totally. So I think to start, obviously, the best foods out there are foods that don't have an ingredient label, no label, right? No label means, you know, exactly what it is. And there's no description required, right? If you're going into the whole food section, and you're getting and picking up an apple, you know, it's an apple, and it's straight from the source. And that's sort of the best thing to be eating because you don't need to worry about ingredients. Obviously, organic is better because we'll talk about that a a bit later, just avoiding chemicals and preservatives and so on and so forth. But when navigating other products on the shelves, like packaged products, it is really important to do your due diligence and be an educated consumer. Don't just buy something because it's marketed as healthy. A lot of the time, marketing is really well done to get you to buy a product, right? So again, your body is your own home. So kind of you need to do the due diligence as a consumer and take care of it and make sure that you're comfortable with what you're putting in your own body. Again, reading labels is really, really important. I would say as a rule of thumb, if there's one or two ingredients that you don't recognize, or you don't understand what they are. That's a sign in and of itself, that maybe you should kind of second guess. But if you're still interested in buying, just do a quick Google search, look up the ingredient. Is it an additive? Is it a binder? Is it a gum? Is it a filler? Is it a chemical? And obviously, no one, again, no one is perfect. You can't just like eat 100% clean. But you can then make that decision as a consumer about whether or not you want to buy that product. I actually do a weekly Q&A on my Instagram on Wednesdays and people submit brands and I actually review them for, or they submit products and say like, I'm eating this, like review it. And I'll kind of give the sort of breakdown of whether or not I think it's a good product or not. I think the reality is I usually bash about 80% of products out there, but There really are some really great brands out there that stand behind clean ingredients. And I'm planning to also include a list of those in my ebook that I'm writing right now.
0: Oh, wow. That's amazing. Okay. I'm happy to... We're going to talk about that after for sure. I mean, obviously, you're so right in saying it's a lot about education and people are looking for the quick fix. So as consumers, we see so many things out there about different regimes. Keto, alkaline, plant based, low sugar, no dairy, no gluten. Aside from education, how do you decipher what is best? Because there is just so much information being thrown at us about what not to eat. And on top of that, things are changing so fast. I mean, if we go back through decades, you know, the eighties was the no fat decade and things have just changed over time. How can I guess as consumers, we make sense of it all?
1: Totally. Yeah. There's so many diets and fads and things out there. And I totally get that it can be super, super overwhelming. I would say, like, put simply, like, I'll kind of go back to the same point that I made before is that no matter what the diet is, I think I would always recommend eating real organic produce as much as possible. Uncooked organic raw fruits, preferably local, seasonal. Same thing with the vegetables uncooked organic raw vegetables, raw nuts and seeds, spreaded legumes, whole grains, fresh cold pressed juices. Again, all of these foods, these like plant based, nutrient dense whole foods, are full of life force. They're full of energy. Sadly, like a lot of foods that are sold today and products are completely devoid of this energy. So thinking about like protein bars and protein powders and all of these things that are packaged and sold to the consumer and marketed as something good. I think honestly, at the end of the day, you really just want to include these high energy foods that I just mentioned. So the fruits, the vegetables, the nuts and seeds, legumes, whole grains, all of these things will help to enhance your energy, enhance your health and create resistance to disease. And at the end of the day, like, that's really what you need to do. It's, it's just that simple. And I think there's just some overcomplication because of all these diets and fads. But at the end of the day, it really is just that.
0: And when you're eating like that, do you then have to be conscious, let's say, of the nuts and seeds and healthy fats? Because, you know, some people will say, well, like nuts are fattening. And yes, there's fat in them, but it's good fat. So when you're eating, let's say that 80-20 and including those in your diet, are you overly conscious about that amount or it doesn't matter?
1: I think you just need to kind of be conscious of like, what is a healthy fat versus an unhealthy fat? What's a complex carbohydrate versus a refined carbohydrate? What are sources of plant-based protein that aren't meat? Kind of like that education and really understanding like what those sources are is super important. In terms of like precise amounts, I don't like the rigidity of having to stick to a specific calorie amount or a specific amount of X or Y, I think once you kind of like reconnect to yourself, you can sort of listen to your body and what your body really needs and let that guide the decisions that you make on a day-to-day basis. So again, as long as you're getting all three macronutrients, complex carbohydrates, healthy sources of fat and protein, I typically opt for plant-based, you're probably going to do okay and just making sure to eat mostly plants, I would say.
0: Right. Are there any major health myths out there that you could dispel for us? Any of the bigger ones?
1: Yeah, I think there's there's a couple that come to mind. So, there's this thing, there's this concept of like no carbs. Carbs are bad, right? Carbs are horrible. The reality is there's a very, very big difference between complex carbs and refined carbs. Refined carbohydrates are completely like a refined bread or refined sugar, refined flour, refined beverages. All of these things are stripped of their nutritional value and no longer contain the fiber that functions to slow digestion and absorption. So again, all of these things that I just mentioned, these are devoid of nutritional value devoid of fiber and don't really do anything positive for you. And those are the carbs you need to avoid. But complex carbohydrates are super, super important. So whole grains, legumes, non starchy and starchy vegetables, all of these foods can have a ton of nutritional value. And they also contain fiber, they're not stripped of the fiber. So this helps to support gut health, and helps you to sort of like manage your weight and provides a whole host of other benefits for your digestive system. So again, going back to what I said before, there's this notion that carbs are bad, I need to avoid carbs. When in reality, complex carbs are really a foundation of someone's diet, what you really need to avoid is those refined carbs.
0: You're okay with us eating a banana or a sweet potato.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I think the second one is really around protein. So that I'll talk about. Again, there's so many other myths that I can dispel, but this is kind of the second one that really comes to mind for me is protein. So people are very obsessed with protein. They're very obsessed with making sure they get enough protein. There's this notion that Like I can't build muscle if I don't eat animal protein or I need to have these protein powders and this and that and make sure that I get enough protein so that I have muscle. And people always ask me, where do you get your protein if you're a plant-based? And the reality is protein from a source does not equate protein or, or muscle in your body. Protein is made up of amino acids amino acids are the building blocks of protein. You can get amino acids. Some of them are kind of produced in your body already. So you don't need to eat them. 11 of them are called non-essential amino acids. So eating, eating them is unnecessary. But there are nine amino acids that our body does not make that needs to be included in the foods that you eat. So... What happens when you eat those essential amino acids is that they actually form in your body at the appropriate times to build complete proteins when your body needs that protein. Your body, if you eat a variety of plant-based whole foods, you will get all of those essential amino acids and therefore more than enough protein to optimize your health. There are so many plant-based sources like vegetables and so on and so forth that have some of these essential amino acids and are called incomplete proteins, but there are also so many different sources of plant-based protein that are complete proteins as well, that have all nine of those essential amino acids. So nuts and seeds, quinoa, nutritional yeast, spirulina, certain legumes... And people don't really realize that. They think that they have to get protein through animals, when in reality, you can actually get all of the essential amino acids that you need to form protein in your body from plants. And one thing I'll say just to that is that, to prove that point, is that the majority of animals, so some of the largest and strongest, elephants, buffaloes, gorillas, are herbivores. They get their protein from plants where all protein originates and still get more than enough protein to maintain good health, to build muscle mass, to build strength. We know how strong these animals are. So, really, the animal protein is actually just the middleman, right? So, if you're getting it straight from the source, which is plants, you will actually find that you will be able to build muscle and maintain strength just as you would or probably even more so than you would if you were just eating animal protein. With all that being said, that's another huge myth that needs to be dispelled. And I highly recommend, you know, watching the movie there, I think there's a documentary called Game Changers that that really is is a great documentary that proves that point. I think it focuses on some like high-profile athletes that are plant-based and really shows how these athletes are able to succeed with a fully plant-based diet. There's actually one more, it's not really like a health myth, but it's more that I think people are overly relying on supplements. You can't out-supplement a bad diet. I think a lot of people feel like they can heal all of their problems with supplements and practitioners too. There's a lot of nutritionists, health coaches, doctors, etc. that will recommend supplements, but at the end of the day, nothing really replaces a good diet. So I think it's important for people to realize that while a supplement is good to resolve a certain type of deficiency, it is really important to focus on having a really good diet to make sure that you're getting all the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients that you need to support you.
0: I know you focus a lot in your practice on how to support optimal digestion and gut health. Can you talk a little bit about what that means and how we can do that?
1: Definitely, definitely. There's a few things here and basically just to kind of take a step back, like ideally, like if your gut is in balance, you want to aim for gut symbiosis, which is when the good bacteria balances out the bad bacteria. Oftentimes, you know, with modern society, because of, you know, certain toxins that we're exposed to in in our environment or certain foods that we eat the bad bacteria tends to oftentimes outweigh the good bacteria, which results in gut dysbiosis. And that can result in a whole host of physical symptoms ranging from digestive issues to skin issues to even mental issues. There's a huge mind-body connection. And so there's a few things here I would call out. Again, going back to what I said, eating real, whole, unprocessed foods that are filled with fiber. Fiber is the key here. A diversity of plant-based whole foods is really the key to making sure that your gut is strengthened. To add to that, I think focusing on eating those real, whole foods and crowding out the processed and refined foods is another huge thing. Consuming a probiotic supplement or a prebiotic probiotic supplement, what I call a symbiotic. I typically recommend seed and I have a discount code for that through my Instagram. Seed is the brand of it? Uh, seed's the brand. The probiotics are the good gut bacteria that you want to bring into your body to balance out any gut dysbiosis. And then prebiotics are the fuel for that good gut bacteria to strengthen that good gut bacteria and make sure that your gut is super, super resilient. So again, if you're struggling with any gut issues, a symbiotic will help to bring your gut back into balance, and then it'll help with ongoing maintenance as well. Okay.
0: And when you say a symbiotic, you're referring to the type of probiotic, right?
1: Yeah, so a symbiotic is a supplement like seed that is both a prebiotic and a probiotic. So a probiotic is the good gut bacteria and the prebiotic is the kind of the food or fuel for that good gut bacteria. So really important to have both. The good news is you can find a lot of prebiotics and probiotics are available through food as well. So if you're eating real, whole, unprocessed foods, you're typically getting a good amount of prebiotics and probiotics in your diet as well fermented foods is another really good thing to point out here as well to support gut health. And then, you know, there's toxins that are present in other sort of, there's a couple of other things to point out here, like avoiding antibiotics whenever possible, and avoiding just things like Advil, Aleve, Tylenol, all of these things strip your body of good gut bacteria especially like a really strong antibiotic will really not only kill all the bad bacteria but strip out all the good bacteria as well so that can really create long term problems so avoiding antibiotics avoiding any of those sort of over the counter pain relievers i think is a good thing to do as well and then focusing on eliminating toxins and other areas of your life So whether it be your skincare products or your makeup products or your cleaning products, all of these toxins that are somehow can get into your system, not just through food, are important to sort of be aware of and try to eliminate with cleaner products as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So are you ever a proponent in certain situations of avoiding gluten and dairy? And if so, why? What cases would that be?
1: Yeah, totally. So I personally don't eat gluten or dairy. And the reason being, these are by default, more inflammatory foods, it really depends on the person. And it really depends. Again, this is totally bio individual and unique to each person. If someone has like a gluten intolerance or a dairy intolerance, of course, avoiding these foods will significantly help them manage their physical symptoms. But oftentimes, there's maybe like a dairy sensitivity or a gluten sensitivity that isn't detected by an allergy test, but can manifest as other physical symptoms, whether it just be like inflammation. Or digestive issues or other things. And oftentimes, eliminating or avoiding these things will really help someone just feel better, reduce inflammation, increase energy, feel more mental clarity, potentially lose weight. So, again, I like to go back to this point I made earlier about the 80 20 lifestyle. Like, I think it's important. For people to not feel like, oh, I cannot eat these things or else something will go wrong. Like, I think it's important to try to focus on 80% of the time, you know, eating those whole, real, unprocessed foods. And then 20% of your time, give yourself that flexibility, right? So if you wanna have a piece of pizza or you wanna go like have a whatever, a sandwich at a famous sandwich place when you're traveling, like go for it. As long as you sort of default back to those good habits 80% of the time.
0: It needs to be sustainable, right? For people to do this long term.
1: Yeah. And so, like with these diets, of like, you know, in certain cases, eliminating is really important. If someone has an underlying gut issue or a hormone imbalance or a thyroid imbalance, oftentimes eliminating these foods for a brief period is really, really important to resolve imbalances. But thinking about a healthy person, again, I think that 80 20 lifestyle is the way to go. The good news is there are, like, some really great alternatives, right? Like, you know, you can have a homemade sourdough bread, like, from Miette Boulangerie in Montreal. There's, you know, an amazing artisanal sourdough that's made in that way is low in gluten. You can also buy, like, a sprouted Ezekiel bread. With bread, you can have those two breads and sort of, like, feel satisfied. Additionally, with pasta... There are tons of gluten-free pastas out there. There's, you know, legume-based pasta, rice-based pasta that really tastes good and is satisfying, but doesn't have gluten. Similarly, on the dairy front, there are some dairy-free alternatives for cheeses and and nut milks and so on and so forth that are really, really great. Nature Santé is a great place to buy really high-quality, clean products in, in this realm. And again, going back to what I said, I'm really in writing my ebook and to try to focus on, okay, like, what are the healthy swaps? What are the brands that you could buy that would be like gluten replacements or dairy replacements, just so people can feel equipped to kind of adopt these healthy habits in the long term.
0: So do you think then food that's labeled organic, is all organic food better for us?
1: Yeah, so I Typically, I I totally acknowledge and understand that organic food is more expensive. It's at a higher price point. So I'll preface this by saying it just is is a choice and it it is more more expensive than just buying sort of regular produce. I typically default to organic whenever I can because I want to make sure that the food that I'm eating doesn't have any potential toxins and pesticides. So I think for me, it is important to shop organic, and I would typically recommend it. There's something called the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15. Basically, you can look these up online, Clean 15, Dirty Dozen. The top 15 foods with the least pesticides are called the Clean 15. So those are foods that you could typically buy not organic, and they won't have a tremendous amount of pesticides. But there are 12 foods called the Dirty Dozen with the most amount of pesticides. So again, you could bring like you can print out a list of the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15, take them with you on your grocery shopping trips, store them in your phone, so that you know when to buy organic and when it's okay to buy conventional. Of course, if you're able to fully buy organic, I would highly recommend it. But I think these lists can just help you if you feel like, oh, I I can't, maybe there's some limitations to you buying fully, fully organic produce. I think the good news nowadays is that the organic sections are growing. People are much more conscious. And so, you know, as you navigate the grocery store aisles, just be aware, ask the person at the grocery store, like, where's the organic section? And try to try to stick to that section if you can.
0: No, that's a great guideline to give people for sure. So switching topics a bit, what is, can you explain to us, and what do you think of intermittent fasting?
1: Yeah, so intermittent fasting means kind of a lot of different things to different people. There's kind of like different ways to intermittent fast. What it is, is basically shortening the window during which you eat, So it obviously is like super, super trendy nowadays, but it's not about restricting certain foods. It's about kind of like food timing. So just restricting the window of time that you are eating. I think the benefits of intermittent fasting or why I'll say that like a short sort of window of intermittent fasting is potentially good for you is that our digestive systems were not meant to be on all the time. You're not meant to be digesting food twenty-four-seven. We have a natural period when we are meant to rest and digest. So during that period, the parasympathetic nervous system will be hopefully enabled, it will do its healing magic, and our bodies will dump all of the metabolic waste that we've accumulated through the day. So when we let this happen for about like twelve to fourteen hours a night, that can reduce inflammation and allow for numerous health benefits. I won't go into all of them, but there are definitely numerous benefits there. So again, with intermittent fasting, some people make it more extreme, like some people do 16 hour windows. But at at the very least, I would say a 12 hour window. So finishing dinner at like, you know, seven, eight o'clock and having breakfast at eight or nine in the morning is a really good place to start because you're giving your body Let's say 12 hours, 12, 13 hours to digest the foods that are already in your system and eliminate that metabolic waste and start your day fresh. So, we all know that feeling of like overeating and eating super late at night and then waking up feeling full. You haven't really given your body that time to then kind of dump out all of that metabolic waste that you've accumulated. And then it could sort of like pile on and make you feel bloated and uncomfortable. So, Again, giving your body that period of time to basically fast or or not consume food really allows you to just keep your digestive system kind of in its optimal state.
0: And would you say there are any foods out there that bolster the metabolism? Or are there any other things that can sort of help kickstart metabolism for people?
1: Yeah, there definitely are. I think it goes back to what I said earlier. There's a spectrum of foods. I would say there's like quick exit foods and there's there's slow exit foods. So quick exit foods are things that automatically are very quick to digest and go through your system quickly. Fruits and vegetables, any types of fruit, like citrus fruit, orange, grapefruit, apples on the vegetable side, you know, beets, carrots, celery, fennel, radishes, all these things go through your system really, really, really quickly. And the good news is those foods have fiber. They have a tremendous amount of fiber. That's the key. And fiber is really what comes into your intestinal tract and sweeps up that toxic debris and leftover built up metabolic waste and helps to push that out. So again, those quick exit foods because of the nature of the foods and the fiber that they have really help you to kind of Eliminate again that metabolic waste. So, some key foods that I can highlight like beets are amazing for elimination, parsley, grapefruit, and yeah, I would say most fruits and veggies. So, if you're struggling with your digestion or you want a way to kickstart your metabolism and get your digestive system back in action focusing on those quicker exit foods. So, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables, all those lighter foods that are filled with fiber will really help to like get you back on track.
0: And I know we talked earlier about supplements and you had mentioned wanting to come back to it. What did you want to add about supplements?
1: Yeah, totally. So I think this has come out a lot with, through my, like, my weekly brand Q&A's and product Q&A's. I see that a lot of people are asking me questions about supplements, collagen, protein powders, powders, drinks, capsules, gummies. There's so many different forms of supplements, but at the end of the day, I've just noticed a fanatical obsession with supplements. That not only comes from clients and people that I work with or people in my Instagram community, but also practitioners, honestly. There are a lot of health coaches, nutritionists, health practitioners, functional medicine doctors that really push supplements while completely ignoring or minimizing the importance of a healthy, balanced diet filled with unprocessed whole foods, moving and exercising regularly, getting quality sleep, and focusing on other important pillars of your well-being. So I actually have a stat on this. Roughly 90% of American adults do not eat enough fruits and vegetables, but 75% take a dietary supplement of some kind, which is so crazy. So what I like to say here is that supplements should remain supplements. So supplemental, they should not be substitutes. So they're called supplements for a reason because they should be supplemental to meet any need that cannot be met with food if you get your blood drawn, or you get tested for nutrient deficiencies, vitamin, mineral, nutrient deficiencies, and you see that you're deficient in iron, or you're anemic, you know, maybe taking a supplement while complementing that with some food changes will help you bring that iron level back into balance. But it's always better to get the vitamins, minerals and nutrients you need from real food. If you're taking a supplement, if you're listening to this, ask yourself why you're taking it. Did you see someone post about it on social media and decide to buy it because, oh, this person took it, so I'm going to take it? Do you actually have a nutritional deficiency that needs to be resolved? Do you even know what benefits you're getting from the supplement? Are you just taking it because John Smith is taking it, so you're going to take it? What I'd recommend to anyone is that take control of this. Get educated. Get a full blood panel with your primary care physician. Identify any vitamin, mineral, nutrient deficiencies and balances. This is very bio individual; it's very unique to you. So, what works, what I may have as a deficiency, could be very different from what you may have as a deficiency. And then you can work with a practitioner to achieve your goals. I would say, for the most part, you can get a lot of what you need through food, through real food. And again, supplements should really just be a supplement they should not be a substitute.
0: Right. No, absolutely. That's very good advice. You touched a little bit on other pillars for optimal holistic health and well-being. So did you want to just maybe talk a little bit about that as we sort of come to a close on the conversation about what else can people do in addition to food to sort of optimize their health?
1: Totally. Yeah. So health, Means very different things to different people. We talked about good nutrition earlier, which is, you know, again, that 80 20 lifestyle that I spoke to 80% of the time eating those nutritious foods, 20% of the time giving yourself that flexibility and leeway so that your lifestyle feels sustainable for the long term. But health is so much more than just food, food is a huge part of health, but holistic health and well being has so many other pillars. There is sleep, good quality sleep, physical activity and movement, moving your body every day, even if it's just a walk or some light movement, stress management, doing things that reactivate your parasympathetic nervous system so that you're not constantly in the state of fight or flight. So, doing yoga, doing breath work, doing meditation, journaling, having a good morning routine and a nighttime routine relationships. So having like a good relationship with your significant other, having good relationships with your friends, family, having a social life, having a career that really lights you up, that you really enjoy, being in control of your finances, having fun and getting out there and laughing and playing and experiencing joy. These are all parts of your overall health and well-being. So Again, while food is a big part of it, I think it's important to look at all these different areas of your life. So, spirituality, relationships with friends, relationships with family, your significant other, your finances, your career, your sleep, your movement, your home environment, your hobbies. Where are there imbalances? Like, where am I not doing so well? Because, to give you an example, like, if you are eating super, super healthy and you're sleeping really well and you're working out and you you feel fit, but you're really, really struggling with your relationship with your partner, that will affect your overall health and well-being. You know, it's important to think of health as more than just food. It really is all these different facets of your life. And just look at, okay, where are there areas of imbalance? And what can I do today to make changes in that realm that will help to bring me back into balance, basically. And overall, I think the key areas that I like to point out are, again, food, that 80-20 lifestyle is really, really important. Moving your body, being active every single day, even if it's just a 20-minute walk. Getting good quality sleep, seven to nine hours a night, extremely, extremely important for your body's repair. And then, yeah, stress management, having a therapist, having a coach, doing breath work, meditation, journaling, whatever works for you, just ways to reactivate your parasympathetic nervous system and make sure that you're in a state of relaxation and rest and not in a state of constant stress. Those are all of the key areas that I think people really, really need to focus on to to optimize their health and well-being.
0: I mean it's a holistic approach and this has been super enlightening and informative. I do want to let everyone know that you do have your Instagram at that plant based gal and your website meganswidler.com. You had mentioned that you'll be releasing an ebook is that sometime soon on the horizon when can we expect it?
1: Yeah. Thank you for calling out those two things. So I think I post very regularly on my Instagram. That's kind of the best place to find me. And then my website as well, you can find through my Instagram, but I really engage with my community there. So I do a couple of weekly Q and A's. I do one on Wednesdays to talk about brands and products and review those. So if you ever have any questions about brands or products, you can submit questions on Wednesday through the Q and A there, and then on Sunday I just do a general Q and A where you can ask any questions about me or my life or health, wellness, whatever you want. So, and I'm always DMing. So if you want to shoot me a DM or chat there, it's a really good place to sort of find me and and what I'm about. And yeah, I am working on an ebook. Hopefully, this podcast it will help to hold me accountable to that, but. Yeah, I'm planning to hopefully launch that, writing it and, and would like to launch that in the next couple of months. And again, I think it will really educate you about my philosophy around food, but also give you the tools that you need to actually put that into practice. So people know what they need to do. Oftentimes, it's really that they don't know how to put that into practice. It feels super, super overwhelming for the average person. How do I go to a grocery store? How do I order at a restaurant? Like what food should I be eating? What brand should I be buying? How do I read an ingredient label? All of those things are things I will plan to cover in my book so that you can actually feel equipped with the tools and strategies and knowledge to actually put what you learn into practice, which oftentimes is really the hardest part. So I'm super, super excited for that. And I'll definitely keep you posted on that ebook. But again, if you're following me on my Instagram, you'll you'll definitely be able to learn more about anything that I'm launching.
0: Fantastic. It's been really great to have you, Megan. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you. Thanks for listening to We Are LCC. For more, go to wearelcc.ca slash podcast. And remember to hit subscribe or follow on your podcast app so you never miss an episode.
0: Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.
2: I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.